0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hello, welcome everyone to New Beginnings Online Church. Um, I want to kind of prepare things a little bit before we get into the teaching part of this message, first of all, um, thank you so much for connecting with us and allowing me to come and speak to you personally uh, this weekend about a subject that's extremely, extremely important. And I hope I was able to make that point last weekend about how significant what I'm teaching right now, this series that we're in, calling uh, the title is Authority, uh, the sequel, and I explained last weekend that early in the year, I taught on authority, but I felt like I needed to bring that teaching back and make it specific the, to the time frame that we're in. So, so here's what I'd like you to do. If you're, if you're normally not accustomed to taking notes, I'm gonna ask you please to do something different this weekend. Get yourself a notepad, get yourself a pen, Please, any, just a piece of paper, whatever, because there's some things you're going to want to jot down for the future. We're living in perilous times. Whatever information we can get to build us up, to equip us, to empower us, I say, let's go for it. Let's get as much as we possibly can. Now, let me explain something to you about myself that I didn't realize for many, many, many years. Um, the gifting that God has placed in me and I don't say that in a braggartly sense. I just it's a fact. God gifts every one of us. I didn't realize for a year for many years that the gifting that I walked in and operated in was more of a teacher. And, and honestly, uh, I, I believe if you study the scriptures, you'll see uh, you can be a teacher without being a pastor, but you can't be a pastor without being a teacher because you see the pastor is supposed to feed the flock with knowledge and understanding according to Jeremiah chapter three. And so, so I'm asking you to please kind of lean in to this teaching. I'm asking you please to uh, allow me to operate in that gifting so that I can bring to you what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to know as a church, not just New Beginnings, but in general, what we need to operate in this season that we're in. We need to be very aware of the seasons that we're in. Okay, so so another side, if I could put it this way again, and I'm only saying this so that you know how to receive from, from this teaching today, there is a side of of, of the of the teaching anointing that can from time to time come across as prophetic. In other words, it is something that is pointing uh, to the future um, with the intent of preparing us for that point in time. So this weekend, what I'm bringing to you, the words that I'm speaking to you, my hope is that it's going to bring comfort to each and every one of us. We're in the midst of confusion and instability. It's a time when it seems like there's no answers to the questions that many of us have. But we need to remember that God is completely and totally aware of everything that's going on. Listen up, both what is seen and what is unseen. Trust him for that. Listen to this scripture from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. The Passion Translation. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render an account. We are all accountable to God. And so what the scripture is saying is that don't don't be afraid because we might not be aware of everything that is unseen, And we know there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the unseen realm, but let's be satisfied and let's comfort ourselves with this. Even though we may not know what's going on, God, our Father, is completely aware of every conversation, every plot and conspiracy of the enemy, everything that's going on that might be underhanded behind the scenes. God is very much aware of every one of those things that is happening right now. So in the natural realm, we want to ask the question, who's running the show? Who is in charge? Who's in control? Because there's so much conflicting information that is coming our way every single day. And that can cause confusion. Now, here's what I want you to consider. God always establishes order. Listen, he creates a garden. He puts a man in charge of it. He, the, the world is going to be wiped clean in a flood. He charges a man and his family, eight members in all, to oversee the reestablishment of mankind. God's people are enslaved in Egypt. What does he do? He raises up a deliverer. He raises up someone and puts them in charge of bringing his people out of bondage and into freedom. The world... many times doesn't realize what we've come to realize, that God is completely aware of everything that's going on to the extent that he knows when he needs to put one of his people in charge. Let me continue in that thought. God's people at one point in time were living in exile in Persia, modern day Iran. An evil, demonically inspired man named Haman comes up with a plot a conspiracy to exterminate the people of Israel, God's people. God uses a beautiful young Jewish girl named Esther to rescue his people. Consider this. Sin, the sin of mankind had to be dealt with. God himself comes to earth in the form of a man and then offers himself as a sacrifice, taking charge of the sin problem, taking charge of what it was gonna to take to get you and I back in relationship with the Father. God always has a person on the scene ready to take charge. Now, in this day and age that we're living in, he's wanting the church to stand up and take charge. Not in a dictatorial way, not in, an, in, a, in a bully fashion, But with humility, but with humility, operating in authority, taking charge, the one who behind the scenes is the force behind what's happening here on the earth. And we have not seen that to the to the fulfillment and to the manifestation that is needed right now not using bullying tactics, not acting like the world, not using control, not, not trying to manipulate, but through prayer, using our God-given authority to rule and to reign in the supernatural realm of the spirit. And we're gonna hear a lot about that in this teaching. We, the church, the body of Christ on earth must step up in such a way that it allows God to have a voice on earth like never before. Evil, injustice, deception, disease, destruction must not go unhindered or unrestrained, not while the church is still here on the scene. And the Holy Spirit says, the church has the power to restrain evil. It's all about authority. I talked about this last weekend. It's all about power. The battle from the very beginning has always been about lies and truth. And both lies and truth are released with words. I hope you're taking notes. I hope you're writing this stuff down because it is the truth and it is the truth that has escaped us for a long time. Words are powerful. Words are containers. They possess power. They are seeds carrying truth or lies. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We have been created to speak with authority. Yet the first thing sin did to us was to take us out of a place of authority and put us in a place of intimidation, fear. These things neutralize our ability to walk in authority. So we can say that the battle of the ages is always fought with words. And it's up to us to speak with boldness. Proverbs 28 tells us that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. God always has someone on the scene to speak his words that would release his power. And listen, and hear me out. The person that speaks from that position is the true authority on earth. And someone might be saying right now, some of you you might be watching right now, but saying, wow, pastor, that sounds pretty arrogant. And who do you think you are? just an everyday believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, just an ordinary child of God, but one who is starting to understand more and more and more what we can accomplish when we hook up our words with God's words. When we finally begin to pray with the authority that God has given us. Again, something I mentioned last weekend, I hope you would remember, but write it down for yourself this weekend. We are naturally supernatural. When we take hold of the power of God that's released through his word. Now, I wanna go through some scriptures. I want you to please lean into this. I want you to please listen to this scripture. Let the power of the word of God transform your thinking. I wanna go to James chapter five, verse 17. I want you to listen very closely in detail what is spoken here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I'm gonna say it again. Elijah, the prophet, one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history. The book of James tells us that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Just a natural human being. Nothing special about him. And he prayed, and it says, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produces fruit. That's wild. A human being, a natural flesh and bone and blood individual had the ability through God to declare it's not gonna rain anymore. Let me give you some backstory for those who may not be familiar with Elijah. Elijah was called of God to stand in the office of a prophet during a time when Israel was being ruled by one of the most wicked monarchs in its history. King Ahab and his queen Jezebel, they ruled in Samaria, which was already known for false worship. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 16. Let's find out a little bit about this man Ahab that provoked the man of God to make that declaration that it shall not rain. Now Ahab, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his, as a wife Jezebel, the, the daughter of Ethbaal, I want you to pay attention to that name. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. F Baal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshiped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. This king literally built a temple to this false god, worshiping demons. And verse 33 says, and Ahab made a wounded image And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. Out of all the kings that had existed up until this point, Ahab was the most wicked, the most ungodly, the most perverse of all the kings that existed before him. Ahab married the daughter of Ethbaal, a pagan priest. His name means Toward Baal, Eth Baal means toward Baal or bowing to Baal. His daughter is the one who supported the 600 pagan priests that Elijah would eventually confront on Mount Carmel. Ahab himself became a worshiper of Baal. When Elijah was fed up with all the wickedness and the idol worship, Elijah marched up to the king and made this pronouncement: First Kings chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, I don't know about you, but I initially want to step back and say, wait a second, what's wrong with this picture? Naturally speaking, what's wrong with this picture? Ahab is a king. He rules from his throne. He speaks and people obey him. Yet an ordinary man on assignment from God made a declaration in faith based on the word of God and the word of this ordinary man overruled the king. I don't know if you're getting that. This is heavy. An ordinary man anointed by the power of God and with the Holy Spirit overruled a king. How was Elijah able to make this declaration? Was it just his idea? Was it something that he just responded in anger? No, we see in Deuteronomy chapter 11, where Elijah received the authority to be able to make this declaration. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. God speaking to the people of Israel through Moses. Take heed to yourselves lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Exactly what Ahab did, exactly what he promoting in Samaria and Israel. Verse 17 Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heaven so there would be no rain, and the yield, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Elijah knew what God had promised. Elijah spoke. And for 42 months, not a drop of rain fell on the kingdom of Israel until Elijah said so. Now let me ask you this question to ponder. Who was the ruling force in the land? The king on the throne or the man of God? Think about that. Because in the natural, it would seem... Ahab's powerful. Jezebel is powerful. They are ruling and reigning in their kingdom. Yet an ordinary man with the power of the Holy Spirit upon him was able to speak and enforce God's will over and above whatever the king would have to say. I want to take you to the New Testament now. Acts chapter 12, verse one. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was the the days of unleavened bread. In other words, it's Passover time. Verse four, so when he had arrested him, when he arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. This king is not taking any chances with Peter. He put four squads of soldiers, some Bible commentators say up to 16 soldiers, guarding one man. His intention was after the Passover holiday, we're gonna bring Peter out, we're gonna cut his head off, just like we did with James brother of John. Verse 5, watch this. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but, but look at this now. The church did something it hadn't done for James, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Ordinary people, children of God, prayed. James is beheaded. Herod sees that this has gotten him good goody points, brownie points with the people. And so he's gonna do the same thing. In order to gain favor with his subjects, his intention is he's gonna do the same thing to Peter. But constant prayer was made for Peter by the church. Peter is set free in the middle of the night by an angel. Herod sends guards to search for him all over. And when they can't find Peter, Herod orders the guards to be executed. Watch what happens next. The story was not over. It didn't end there. Acts chapter 12, verse 21. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne, giving an oration to the people. This eloquent speech. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of man. Verse 23. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Now, let me ask you this question. Herod, the powerful king on the throne, whose whose very command could cause a person to lose their head, But who is calling the shots? The king or the church that prayed? I think you're starting to see the picture now of who's really in control. You see, in this great nation of ours, we've seen an unfortunate development over the past few decades. Ungodly men and women with ungodly agendas have been ruling and reigning, making laws completely contrary to the word of God, selfishly, putting this nation in a position for judgment. And we, the church, the body of believers on the earth, are to rule and reign, not politicians, not political parties, not power greedy, power hungry, heads of multinational corporations, not demon inspired scientists, but the Holy Spirit filled church. We are supposed to call the shots. We restrain the devil. We bind the forces of darkness. How? How? You're sitting there and you're probably saying, how? Because it seems so hopeless. It seems like we have no control. It seems like we have no say. How? Through spirit-empowered prayer led by the Holy Spirit, based on the word of God, from our position and our heavenly place in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter one. I want you to listen closely. Again, please take notes so that you can go through these notes on your own. Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse 15. Remember, what are we talking about here? We're talking about who's supposed to be running the show here? Who's supposed to be calling the shots? Who's supposed to be the true authority on this earth as per God's command, God's plan, and God's original creation? Verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you understand what are the riches of his glory of the inheritance and in the saints. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Pay attention now, because we're getting closer to the point what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead here we go and seated him, Christ at his right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named and every political party and every politician and every know-it-all not only in this age but also in that which is to come in our future in our Present right now, I should say. Verse 22. And he, God, put all things under his feet, Christ, and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus is the head and we're the body, can are we walking around without a head on earth? Is the church walking around without a head Absolutely not. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. Where the head is, the body is. So positionally, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We say sometimes with Christ. No, in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Far above, far above every principality, every power, every force of darkness every disease, every virus, every economic situation. He's the head. We are the body. He gives the orders. We carry them out. And when something on earth does not line up with the kingdom of God, then the church is to stand up and pray on earth as it is in heaven. I want to read you some comments from a Bible scholar named Derek Prince. Some of you may remember him. A dynamic, just amazing teacher of the word of God. This is what he had to say about this subject. We are a kingdom of priests. We are called to rule and reign through prayer. Prayer is only effective when it is empowered by the Holy Spirit and based on the word of God. The battle that we are in is twofold. I'm talking about right now, the season that that, that we are in right now on this planet, the battle that we're in is number one, to destroy a disease. Number two, to fight to hold on to our freedoms so that the gospel can continue to go forth and touch nations and redeem people and, and get them saved and get them in the family of God. And it cannot, these, this battle cannot be fought by natural means because it is not a natural battle. It is a spiritual battle and therefore must be fought on the turf in the realm of the spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse four, I hope you write the scripture down. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What we have been subject to, what our society has been subject to, what this planet has been subject to, especially in the past few months, strongholds of fear have been built in people's minds strongholds fortresses of fear that are that are that are influencing every decision of life whether a person goes out of the house to shop or not, whether a person has, has someone come to visit them or not, when you see someone, whether we can shake hands or not, whether we're supposed to get close or not. I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing these things, but we should not be doing them out of fear. We should be doing out of common respect because we don't know what the other person feels like. We don't know if the other person is experiencing fear. We don't know if the other person has the faith to be able to stand to resist if symptoms would come on them. But dear God, nothing that we do should ever be done in fear. In fact, it should be done in love. But we have the weapons we need to demolish these strongholds of fear. We have the weapons. We have his heart. We have his love that was poured out into us. We have the powerful anointing, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon us to be able to pray. And when we see something wrong, when we hear something wrong, when we hear the news, we go, no, that is not gonna produce godliness. That is not gonna produce the kingdom of God on this earth. We have the ability, the authority, and the okay from our God to say no to that thing. We resist it in the name of Jesus. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And we commit. To change. And that is what the church is supposed to be about right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So one more time, let me ask you this question. Who is supposed to be calling the shots here on earth? And the answer is the church. You and I, not in an arrogant sense. Let me repeat that. Not with haughtiness, not looking down our nose, but with compassion and with pity and with love. Because we, the church, are the only thing standing between the kingdom of darkness and the lost. We are to be operating behind the scenes in a a stance of humility, but a stance of expectation that when we speak God's word, even as Elijah did, based on a promise, based on a declaration that God had already made, that when people turned to idol worship, God said, I will, with, I will withhold the rain from heaven. Elijah acted on that word. And for 42 months, it was Elijah who called the shots in the kingdom of Israel. Not an ungodly idol worshiper influenced by a demon-possessed wife, but the man of God, Elijah. I'm speaking to you right now. Men and women of God, I hope I've stirred you up. I hope by what I presented to you from the word that you're ready to seize and take hold of the authority that's been given unto the church through the name of Jesus and by the power of the blood and that we will begin to take our stance so that as defenders of the weak, as protectors of those who are defenseless, with compassion in our hearts for the loss so those who don't know the right hand from the left hand, I pray that you'll begin to see yourself in that position of being seated in Christ in heavenly places far above everything that would threaten life on planet earth. I pray that you join me in your hearts as we do that right now, as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, Father, we we come against the works of darkness. We come against the effects of this disease. We come come against the effects of our economy being crippled. And in the name of Jesus, we bind this disease. We, We pull down the mental strongholds of fear and manipulation and control that have been allowed to develop. And we just expose these lies for what they are, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus, God that through the authority of Jesus Christ, that we will start to see things shift and change and fear dissipate and the peace of God come upon this planet, Lord. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those in authority, God, in the natural, that they will listen to your voice and that you would surround them with godly men and women who know your word, who operate in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, so that godly decisions on how to move forward are made. Father, we pray healing and health over every household. We pray peace over every troubled mind, over every individual that's being paralyzed with fear. In the name of Jesus, we command you to be free. And Father, we pray for those whose finances have been affected, that they return to you, God, and place their hope and their trust in you, Lord. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we command this economy to be restored. God, you are our provider. You were the one who said you're gonna meet all of our needs. We are laying all of this at your feet, Father. Lord, we're not praying to twist your arm. Nothing that we prayed is against your will, God. It is all your will. And so, Lord, we put ourselves in agreement with your word. We stand up and step into the authority that Jesus purchased for us. And we declare that no weapon formed against us shall ever prosper. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. I pray that this has been a life changer for you. I pray that something that I may have shared that the Holy Spirit put his his anointing on, went into your heart and is causing you to see life differently from this point forward. Remember, who's supposed to be calling the shots on this planet? It's the church. And until the church prays, people flounder. I pray that this has impacted your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for allowing me to speak to you today. Thank you for allowing me to connect with you and to bring this word that's been so strong on my heart for weeks now. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I bless you, I bless your households in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. God bless you. I look forward to this next part of the series to share with you next weekend. Enjoy the rest of your day, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word.